Hello listeners, I'm Daryl Root and this is News Folder 19. Approximately 19 minutes of sense, sarcasm, and even occasionally some wit. Today's topics include Representative George Santos. Will you freeze to death this winter? Idiot police chases? And more. But first... Christmas is coming, and mugs, t-shirts, and sweats make great gifts. You can get your News Folder 19 versions of those and more at my new store, cafepress.com slash newsfolder19. I wasn't quite happy with some of the products at my old store, so I made a change. For the record, I only get a 10% royalty, and I don't dictate prices, so I'm not getting rich on any of these sales. I'm just grateful for anything that you purchase to help offset the cost of producing this show. I thank you in advance. Once again, that address is cafepress.com slash news folder 19. With that, let's get into the first story. Number one, Washington. This is a new story from Reuters. A vote to expel Republican lawmaker George Santos from the U.S. House of Representatives failed last week when fewer than two-thirds of the chamber supported the resolution. The 35-year-old New York lawmaker has pleaded not guilty to charges accusing him of crimes, including laundering funds to pay for his personal expenses, illegally receiving unemployment benefits, and charging donors credit cards without their consent. Santos stated, quote, I must warn my colleagues that voting for expulsion at this point would circumvent the judicial system's right to due process that I'm entitled to and desanctify the long-held premise that one is presumed innocent until proven guilty, unquote. I guess I need to remind Santos that the House is not the judicial system. It is not a court. It's basically a club that citizens vote you to and that has their own set of rules. One of those being that the expulsion of a lawmaker requires a vote by two-thirds of the chamber. Only five people have been expelled from the House in the country's history, three of those for fighting against the U.S. government in the Civil War. So... I do agree with him, you know, he should be found guilty before they expel him or try to expel him, you know, we shouldn't be eliminating people who aren't guilty of anything, supposedly, or at least he claims. Santos represents a small slice of New York City and parts of its eastern suburbs. Nonpartisan election forecasters said Democrats could have recaptured that seat which is probably why most Republicans voted no to oust him. Republican lawmakers from Santos' state of New York last month said they would introduce a resolution to expel Santos, but the move was delayed by weeks when the House was leaderless following the ouster of Kevin McCarthy. I'm also sure the New York lawmakers knew what the end result would be, so they only brought this up to make themselves look good. The House Ethics Committee has also said it is looking into allegations involving Santos. 
The investigative subcommittee contacted 40 witnesses, reviewed more than 170,000 pages of documents, and authorized 37 subpoenas, the committee said. So this doesn't look good. The ethics panel said it would announce its next steps by November 17. An actual trial for Santos is scheduled for September 9 of 2024. Boy, that's a long way off. Shortly before the elections. So, I guess the polls at the time will dictate how the trial works itself out. Story number two. Congressional pressure is growing on the U.S. Treasury to help salvage trucking giant Yellow from bankruptcy, from Republicans to Democrats alike. In other words, let's bail out yet another company that should disappear because they can't compete and should fall by the wayside. Republican Senator Josh Hawley is the latest lawmaker to ask Treasury in a letter on Thursday to extend the terms of a controversial $700 billion pandemic loan granted by the Trump administration to Yellow. It follows separate letters sent by Republican Senator Roger Marshall and Democrat Sherrod Brown and Bob Casey last month. Earlier this week, Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey sent letters. Republicans and Democrats pushing the Treasury to extend terms could benefit Jack Cooper, one of the largest U.S. privately owned auto transport companies, making its long-shot bid to rescue Yellow from bankruptcy liquidation more likely. So, I guess we know who's buying who in these proposals. The loan is currently due at the end of September 2024, and the proposed extension is to be the same time in 2026. I was against extending student loan payments, and I'm also against extending these payments. You have a contract, a deal. Live up to it like responsible adults are supposed to do, or suffer the consequences. We don't become a better nation by letting failures continue to exist. They need to be replaced by those who can survive. Yellow, formerly known as YRC, and Yellow Freight before that, is one of the largest so-called less-than-truckload carriers in the U.S. Its customers include Walmart and Home Depot. The Biden administration is looking at ways the company could be allowed to continue to operate urged on by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union that lost thousands of jobs. Yeller's assets include 12,000 trucks and 35,000 trailers, along with hundreds of terminals. It fired 22,000 union drivers and plans to sell the trucks and real estate separately. Yellow said in its bankruptcy filing it had $2.15 billion in assets and $2.5 billion in debt, so it owes more than it is worth. You know, this is a shame. There used to be a yellow freight terminal 10 miles from my old hometown. Everyone wanted to work there because the pay and the benefits were great. I applied there on two different occasions when I was in my 20s, when they were hiring dock workers. But I wasn't quite fortunate enough to get a job there. I knew quite a few people who did work there, so it's kind of sad to see them go. And yes, 
That is me being sentimental. Story number three. More than half of the U.S. and parts of Canada, home to around 180 million people, could fall short of electricity during the extreme cold again this winter due to lacking natural gas infrastructure, according to the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. And Joe Biden, who believes everyone without a turbine or a solar panel should freeze to death. Okay, not the last part of that. In its 23-24 winter outlook, the regulatory authority warned that a prolonged wide area cold snap could threaten the reliability of bulk power generation and availability of fuel supplies for natural gas-fired generation. Recent extreme cold weather events have shown that energy delivery disruptions can have devastating consequences for electric and gas consumers in impacted areas. Wait a minute. I thought the world was heating up. How are these extreme cold weather events even possible? Yeah, I know, all the weather is local, but seriously, how often does extreme cold weather info come out of the lips of President Alzheimer's or other global warmest? Let's hope he doesn't freeze to death in one of these, or Vice President Laughing Gas will be in charge. The report puts the U.S. Midwest, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, and South, along with some Canadian provinces, at their highest risk for electricity supply shortages this winter. Grid operators like Mid-Continent ISO, PJM Interconnection, SERC Reliability, and Texas ERCOT are vulnerable to generators going offline under extreme cold conditions. Cold weather could also choke off gas pipelines in New England that has limited gas infrastructure. Quote, there is not enough natural gas pipeline and infrastructure to serve all the gas generation in certain big areas like the ones I just mentioned, unquote. Maybe that's because the idiots in charge won't approve anything new that isn't wind or solar. The D.C. dictators are just what I called them, but without the tater added. NERC and the Federal Regulatory Commission urge lawmakers to fill a regulatory blind spot to maintain a reliable supply of gas during extreme cold that was highlighted by an inquiry into power outages during Winter Storm Elliott in December of 22. During that storm, both electric and gas systems in much of the eastern half of the U.S. experienced significant stress resulting in unplanned generation losses with around 90,000 megawatts out at the same time. Flows of gas into the pipelines were reduced, while demand for the fuel for heating and power generation increased dramatically, lowering line pressures. That gas system only narrowly avoided significant outages. So here's your warning. Have a backup plan. Wood stove, kerosene, generators, whatever. This is going to be the new normal until the dorks in government realize net zero carbon is a complete fallacy. With that, it's time to take a break. I'll be back in about 40 seconds.
only 15% of podcasters will ever earn a single penny in profit. Yet more continue to record for one reason. They enjoy informing and entertaining. If you'd like to support this show, visit newsfolder19.com and click on the Buy Me a Coffee or Merchandise links. All donations are greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to News Folder 19. Just want to do a couple shout-outs. Number one, to Dan Heim, who does all the music on this show. And also to Susan Kennedy, the new voice for the promos and all other voiceovers. Also, if you want to help support this show, please, newsfolder19.com slash support. You can buy me a coffee, as Susan said, or you can do monthly support. There's also merchandise links there. With that, let's get into the next story. Number four. Eight people died on Wednesday when the driver of a car suspected of carrying smuggled migrants fled police and smashed into an oncoming vehicle on a South Texas highway. The crash happened about 6.30 in the morning when a driver of a 09 Honda Civic tried to outrun deputies from the Zavala County Sheriff's Office and attempted to pass a semi-truck. The Civic collided with a 2015 Chevy Equinox which caught fire. First of all, who tries to escape anybody in a Honda Civic? That's, like I said, America's getting dumber. Everyone in both vehicles were killed. That includes the 21-year-old driver of the Civic, who is from Houston, and his five passengers. The two people in the Equinox were from Georgia. As I said, they too were killed. It was unclear how fast the vehicles were going, but photos provided by law enforcement show both vehicles were mangled and most of the Equinox was burned. Wednesday's crash about 80 miles southwest of San Antonio is the latest deadly vehicle crash involving migrants, marking the highest death toll since 13 people died in a collision in a remote Holtville, California accident. I have long argued, and I think at least once on this podcast, that police chases should be illegal unless the culprit is a direct and immediate threat to the public. Smuggled migrants, generally speaking, are not a direct threat. A serial killer, on the other hand, is. Too many innocent people have died in police chases. The American Civil Liberties Union of Texas has tallied 106 deaths in Border Patrol vehicle pursuits from January 2010 to June of this year. Deaths averaged 3.5 a year through 2019, but spiked in 2020. 106 deaths may not sound like many over 13 years, but that's only Border Patrol numbers. Far more die in regular police chases. In a report last year, it's estimated that more than 5,000 innocent bystanders have died in the last 40 years due to police chases. That's just a little bit less than half of the total, with the rest being the police and the culprits. Here's how you prevent these deaths. It's only five words. Get the license plate number. 
the vehicle doesn't have plates, cut off the chase once you've had a good description of the vehicle, and if necessary, sometimes you just have to let them go. You can win the war without winning every battle. And last, story number five. In another car-related story, a woman who drove her car into a building in Indianapolis after watching coverage of the Israel-Hamas war told officers she believed the building was an Israel school according to court records. One adult and four children ages seven months, one, two, and three years were inside Israelite School of Universal and Practical Knowledge at the time of the crash November 3rd. First, don't be fooled by the name, like she was, and fortunately, no one was injured. The 34-year-old woman was arrested at the scene and was being held at the Marion County Jail on a preliminary charge of criminal recklessness. She had not been charged formally as of early last week, but I suppose by now that she has been. I would certainly hope so. The woman, quote, told one officer she has been watching the news and couldn't breathe anymore. She referenced her people back in Palestine, unquote, according to a news release from the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, which said it had notified the FBI of the crash. Quote, she said she passed by a couple times and saw the Israel school, unquote, adding that the woman further stated, quote, yes, I did it on purpose, unquote. The building is associated with radical Hebrew Israelites, a group that the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated as a hate group, noting its ideology has become increasingly anti-Semitic, anti-white, anti-LGBTQ, xenophobic, and misogynistic since the 1960s. So, who's left to like if that's what they believe? The woman told police she had been watching TV news coverage of the Israel-Hamas war and decided to plan an attack by crashing into the building. You know, if this wasn't so disgusting, it would be laughable. She wanted to kill a bunch of Jews and wound up crashing into a building whose members, apparently, also want to kill Jews. <laughs> she was her own worst enemy in this case. Let me repeat this again. The problem is not the Palestinians. The problem is not the Jews. The problem is Hamas and the Israeli government. Israel invades Palestinian territories tiny chunks at a time. Eventually, Hamas retaliates, as other Palestinian groups have done in the past. Then Israel bombs the hell out of them. The Middle East will always be a problem unless nature destroys the whole area. We need to stay neutral. Enough is enough. And with that, I'm going to call it another podcast. You know the mantra. Question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to News Folder 19. All rights are reserved and unauthorized use is prohibited. However, you may share the podcast links. Till next time, have a great day.